Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you because Reed is definitely his own man with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Well, if I sound a little stuffy, it's because I am a little stuffy. A little bit of cold and a little bit of hack and, you know, being around lots of people and, oh, 20 below temperatures in Denver. I can't wait to get back to the ranch, which is very shortly in the next day or two. In any event, no pun intended, of course, we're going to have an interesting show for you today. We're going to revisit the history of money because in the end, this little financial, personal financial preparedness series I'm bringing you, which we're going to talk about today again, another kind of leg or segment on it, it all comes down to money, right? Fiscal policy, liquidity, interest rates, and all sorts of manipulations by politicians who are controlling the strings of the Federal Reserve, who are owned by the banks, who really should we say, oh, are not that concerned about you. How's that? And because what's happening on the international front also has to do with money, the attack on the dollar by the BRICS nations, which will accelerate over the course of this year with the meeting in Russia and Russia being the head of the newly expanded BRICS countries for this 2024 period. And because money, folks, is what's needed to fuel wars, either to start them, you know, kind of behind the scenes, color revolutions, etc., to achieve certain gains and goals, some of which are not in the best interests of the people of a particular nation. And it's also what's needed to continue the conflict because, you know, nobody makes ammunition, missiles, rockets, tanks, ships for nothing. They all want to be paid. So first, let's let's do our founder's quote, shall we? I think this is apropos Alexander Hamilton, who, you know, was the first Treasury Secretary way back when. Quote, as riches increase and accumulate in few hands, as luxury prevails in society, virtue will be in greater degree considered as only a graceful appendage of wealth, and the tendency of things will be to depart from the Republican standard. It is a common misfortune that awaits our state constitution, as well as all others, unquote. You might want to ponder Alexander's words, because very true and very prescient. And now our ranch story. So obviously I haven't been at the ranch in a week. My crew up there has done a phenomenal job of getting things kind of taken care of, under control, battened down. I think temperatures reach something like 30 to 35 below on a night or two, which is it's pretty damn cold. But they got everything under control up there, which is great. I'm headed up there, oh, shortly, next day or two. And I've been spending my time, as you know, at the Denver Stock Show, meeting old readers and new readers, and it's been great. One of the things that has struck me, though, both at the Las Vegas Cowboy Christmas Show, which was great, and at the Denver Stock Show, which is wrapping up now, is that there are an awful lot of people out there who are struggling to make ends meet. I mean, I can tell when I talk to people, and they really, I mean, I can just feel it. They really would like to buy a book or the set of books, but something holds them back. And I had a suspicion as to what that something was, but I actually started asking people, 
you know, if they were standing at the table and, you know, I offered to sign a book for them and they, they kind of paused and hesitated, looked at me, looked at the book and then said, you know, I'll come back. I began to ask people, just out of curiosity, why did you decide not to get the book or the books right now? And invariably, like 99 times out of 100, when I asked that question, the answer was, I don't have the money right now. Which tells you folks that all this nonsense that the government is feeding us over how wonderful the economy is, how everything's just terrific, how we're going to have a soft landing and lower inflation, it's all going to be great, is a bunch of Huey. We kind of knew that, but there's some, shall we say, boots on the ground, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball research. And now, let's get into the history of money and the rest of the story on the history of money. Let's talk about the history of money. You know, money, it's valuable only as a unit of account, kind of, a a socially accepted standard, if you will, by which things are priced and with which payment is made or accepted. However, throughout history, the usage and the form of money have dramatically involved, dramatically evolved. In the beginning, we're talking about 9,000 B.C., I mean, you know, many thousands of years ago. There was bartering. You give me, you give me that stone axe, and I'll give you this mastodon trunk, or whatever the barter was. That was tedious. It was cumbersome. It took a lot of time. Values had to be agreed on. All sorts of different things had to change. And the transition from bartering to currency greatly speeded. You could call it almost a technological innovation back in the day B.C. It greatly speeded the ease and the amount of transactions that could be done. From about 5,000 B.C. to about 9,000 B.C., in addition to barter economies, there were gift economies. And while bartering is the act of exchanging goods or services, not using money, you know, kind of like you give me two arrows and I'll give you a cow, many historians believe that in early small communities, the standard practice was gift economies. That meant that goods or services were not exchanged, they were not sold, but rather they were just given without expecting anything in return at any particular time. Think of it as a system of, I owe you one, or one for me today and one for you tomorrow. Then around 3000 BC came the Bronze Age, which was the commodity money age. People began to realize that certain things were more valuable to other people than other things. Believe it or not, cowrie shells, cattle, antlers, all those types of things had kind of universal value, and as did certain types of metals and stuff which were found in the ground, and flints, and that was called commodity money. By the way, it was about this time that the Babylonian civilization was already implementing some kind of primitive economic systems. They actually had contracts, they had laws, they had rules of private property, they had rules concerning debt. Around 1100 BC, kind of capitalizing on that, that was the era of the Chinese, of course, miniature replicas. So in many parts of China around 1100 BC, if you wanted to do a sword, you would put together a miniature bronze replica of a sword or bronze replicas of goods that you wanted to buy. And then around 600 BC, in the kingdom of Lydia, which by the way is modern day Western Turkey, there was the first official currency. It was called the Lydian Lion. And a lot of historians and archaeologists, by the way, think that about 640 BC, in the Henan province of China, they were also using a type of coin made of spade, 
So together, the Henan province of China and the Middle Eastern Empire of Lydia came up with currency. In the case of Lydia, the king minted what is believed to be the very first official currency, in other words, a state currency, and it was made from electrum, which is a mixture of silver and gold, which, by the way, occurs naturally. And the coins were stamped with pictures that acted as the, the denominations, the value of the coin. So in the streets of Sardi, in approximately 600 BC, a clay jar might cost you two owls and a snake. <laughs> you gotta love it. By the way, Lydia's advent into currency, it's kind of the leader in that realm, made it one of the rip, richest empires in Asia Minor for many years. Do you know the saying, as rich as Croesus? Well, that's the last Lydian king who minted the first gold coin. And then we come to the transition to paper currency. That was by the Yuan Dynasty of China. They moved from coins to paper money. And Marco Polo, you know, the Venetian merchant, the explorer, the writer who traveled through Asia along the Silk Road between 1271 and 1295, he visited China in approximately 1271. And one of the things he noted, besides the fact that the emperor of China had a really good handle on both the money supply and its various denominations, was in fact on the Chinese bills of those days, where the modern American dollar says, in God we trust, the Chinese inscription at that time warned, quote, those who are counterfeiting will be beheaded, unquote. <laughs> Terrific. Parts of Europe actually still used metal coins as their sole form of currency until the 16th century, right, the 1500s. And part of this was fueled by colonial acquisitions by various countries. Think of Spain in South America and Mexico mining silver and gold. It was also about this time that banks started using paper banknotes for depositors and borrowers instead of metal coins. The notes could be taken to the bank at any time in exchange for their face value in metal, usually silver or gold, and this money could be used to buy goods and services. However, unlike today, which is kind of similar, at that time it was issued by banks and private institutions, not the government. Obviously, it's just the opposite in current times. What's really interesting is the first paper currency that was issued by European governments was actually issued by their colonial governments in North America, Canada, and the American colonies. And that was because shipments between Europe and the North American colonies took a long time, obviously, you know, months to get across the ocean. So the colonies often ran out of quote-unquote cash. Instead of going back to a barter system, colonial governments issued IOUs, and they traded as currency. This shift to paper money, particularly in Europe, after it was fueled by the colonies, greatly increased the amount of international trade that could occur, right? The banks, ruling classes, they started buying currencies from other nations. That's when the first currency markets began. And even at that time, the stability of a particular monarchy or government or country affected the value of the country's currency and therefore the country's ability to trade on an increasingly international market. This is also about the time of the first currency wars, where enemies would try to devalue their foes' money so that their enemy couldn't buy arms and weapons, or alternatively, to try and change the value of their competitor's currency by driving the value up and making the enemy's goods too expensive. And then the 21st century, it's given rise to two novel forms of currency, mobile payments and virtual currency. So mobile payments, I mean, we're all familiar with it, or most of us. Mobile payments are money rendered for a product or service 
through a portable electronic device like your cell phone, your tablet. Mobile payment technology can also be used to send money to friends, family, wherever, around the world. Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo. Think about all those various apps that you can use to virtually instantaneously move quote-unquote money from one place to another. And also in the 21st century, we saw the first virtual currency in the form of Bitcoin. The pseudonym of the guy who invented it, nobody really knows his real name, was Satoshi Nakamoto. And Bitcoin became and still is kind of the standard for all virtual currencies, blockchain currencies are called. Now, obviously, the value of Bitcoin has fluctuated widely. I think it was up to around $66,000 for one Bitcoin a year or so ago. And now it's down to about 16000 And who knows what it'll do in the future. The appeal of this virtual currency is that it offers the promise, at least, of lower transaction fees than kind of traditional online payment mechanisms. And it's operated by decentralized authorities. In other words, no governments. No government-issued currency. And when we get to the rest of the story, I'll tie that in for you because it's important. Let's drop back to 1792. That's when the U.S. dollar was quote-unquote invented. The term dollar, by the way, had already existed before the U.S. adopted it. It was very common during the colonial period when referring to the Spanish real coin. You know, those coins I was telling you about that were minted from the plundered wealth of South America. In 1775, the Continental Congress of the United States authorized the issuance of continental currency. But it wasn't until the Coinage Act of April 2nd, 1792, that an official monetary system was defined and the U.S. dollar came to life as the official currency of the United States of America. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated, is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals. I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver, and they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code READ, READ, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Are you a fan of the 1883 miniseries? Then you will love its partial inspiration, Threads West, an American saga. The number one national Amazon and Barnes & Noble best-selling multi-generational epic saga of the American story in the West. Recipient of a whopping 37 national awards, including Best Historical Fiction, Best Multicultural Fiction, Best Fiction Series, Best Romance, and Best Western. You will recognize the characters that live in these pages. They are you. They are us. This is not only their story, it is our story. 
story. Threads West is written by Wyoming rancher Reed Lance Rosenthal. Lois Henderson, Chief AD Library Information Services, proclaims fluent and strong, sensual, evocative, and unforgettable. Compared to McMurtry's Pulitzer Prize-winning Lonesome Dove and Michener's Centennial, Rosenthal's epic masterpiece will rival even some of Louis Amour's best-loved work. Call the Gone with the Wind of the West and Sackets on Steroids. Get it now. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Kindle, Nook, Audible, or the publisher, ThreadsWestSeries.com. From then until probably a day we will eventually call the end of the dollar, the dollar was backed by gold or silver. You had gold certificates, you had silver certificates, which you could redeem for the actual metals. But the gold standard, you know, gold-backed United States dollars came under attack beginning March 3rd, 1933. I brought you in my historical stories the story of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You should go to the website on the right side, radio.com. Type that in, listen to my history of that man who did much to help the United States, but did much to undermine it. In fact, some of his policies we are suffering from today. And on March 3rd, 1933, FDR closed all the banks in the USA. It was March 3rd, 1933. He was responding to a run at the gold reserves. In other words, everybody was bringing in their paper dollars and saying, give me gold. And banks held lots of gold at that time. And that was the backing for all the available U.S. dollars. And there was a fixed exchange rate between U.S. dollars and gold. I've brought you part of this story in previous shows. When he closed down the banks, he also banned the ability to redeem dollars for gold. And he prohibited exporting any gold outside the boundaries of the country. And he ordered all Americans to turn in their gold in exchange for U.S. dollars. This began, by the way, the central gold storage of the United States, which we know as Fort Knox. This gold standard ended officially when Richard Nixon, August 15th, 1971, the day the dollar died, announced that the U.S. would no longer convert dollars to gold at a fixed value. And that is when our money, folks, became fiat money. In fact, worthless paper, except for our belief and faith in it. Around 1946, a guy by the name of John Biggins of the Flatbush National Bank of Brooklyn in New York created the first credit card. <laughs> you know, the nice and the bane of our existence, or many of our existences. And he called it the Charge It program. Merchants could send sales slips into the bank after a customer used the credit card with them. And the bank would then go and bill the customer back. In the meantime, the vendor would be paid by the bank. In 1950, Frank McNamara, remember him? Secretary of Defense way back then? He founded the Diners Club card. I don't think I've seen one in 10 or 15 years, but it was very popular at the time. His idea was to create a card that allowed you to dine in restaurants, and the Diners Club would pay your bill, and then you would pay the Diners Club later. And he originally intended the card for a very small, exclusive group of not more than 200 people. But the idea caught fire. And in less than a year, the very first year of the card, there were 20,000 cardholders. And you could use them about anywhere. Then PayPal and digital money. That happened around 1990. This is a really interesting little tidbit for you. There were two companies. One was known as Confinity.com and the other was known as X just the letter x.com and both were delving kind of into online banking and instantaneous transfer of money from one person to another for a fee 
those companies merged and they gave birth to PayPal, which is now an online payments giant and also woke and uh, willing to take $2,500 out of your account if you do something that they consider unwoke. I've brought you that story. But here's the fun fact. Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, the owner of Twitter, was the owner of X.com. Hmm. Imagine that. You got to admit, this guy is always at the forefront of everything. And that brings us to the rest of the story. The rest of the story, folks, is that with this evolution of money, with the devaluation of the dollar because it's been taken off the gold standard, with the reluctance of the United States government since 1971 to replace that gold standard with anything of value to back the fiat denominations on these pieces of paper that we use for exchange, leads me to believe that eventually the elites want the dollar to fail that they want paper currency to go away, that they want cash in the banks, as you and I know it, to be replaced, and the paper currency to be replaced with a digital coin, which Bitcoin pioneered. But this will not be autonomous. This digital coin will be minted, quote-unquote, through the electronic means that digital currencies are minted, and it will be totally controlled by the government, which brings us to the government's ability to redistribute wealth, do reparations, buy votes with your money, punish those enemies of the state who are non-believers in the government's psyops, and reward those who toe the line and are compliant. I'm going to bring you more on this over the coming year, but you keep your eyes peeled for stories that talk about digital currency and test projects and pilot projects using digital currency in the United States and the Western world. I absolutely guarantee you will be seeing those stories this year sooner rather than later. And they're a big red flag. We'll talk about it as this evolves. So folks, the other thing that affects money and people's perception of money, because in the end, you know, it's people's perception of money that really counts. If people don't trust a dollar or don't trust a form of currency, it's worth nothing. And one of the things that undermines trust, that makes people nervous about currency, money, all sorts of different things, is what's happening on the international scene. And this is true going back ages. But one of the things which I note is being really kind of, shall we say, ignored by mainstream media right now, is all the nonsense that's going on in all the parts of the world. Unfortunately, much of it fomented by should we say the military-industrial complex of the United States and Western nations? For instance, did you know that the Houthis actually hit a U.S. ship with a missile? That's right, the Navy wasn't able to stop the missile, it hit the ship, and that was just a day or two ago. What do you think is going to happen to shipping? You think all these big shipping companies are going to keep shipping through those straits, or are they going to be sending more ships around the Cape of Good Hope at a 40% additional cost, which translates right to your pocket? Did you know that a day or two ago, Iran, not the Houthis, not their proxies, not their militias, but Iran, the nation state, launched missiles at U.S. and Israeli installations in Syria? That's kind of a big ramp up of things over there. Did you know that Iran made a deal, I think it was three days ago, the two foreign ministers, Russia and Iran? Nobody really knows the contents of the deal, but it seems that perhaps... It's a strengthening of a military alliance, and it might even be bringing Iran under the Russian nuclear umbrella, all of which is bad news for us, and all of which points to the fact that Iran should have been taken care of many, many years ago, except that 
Remember, our friend Barry loves Iran. Long-term consequences when people don't have the United States first in their heart. Did you hear about the WEF, you know, Disease X? They had kind of, you know, a planning session, a pandemic session, just kind of like they did before COVID in 2019. And this is Disease X, they call it. They don't know what it is. Oh, you know, we're just kind of play-acting, and we're just kind of putting things together here just in case. And, uh, you know, we'll develop vaccines. I don't know how they develop quote-unquote vaccines for disease which doesn't exist, which is a figment of their imagination sometime in the future. But we'll get back to that at a later show. But Disease X, according to WEF, when and if it comes, and just for the purposes of their play-acting, you know, big worldwide pandemic, has a 20x kill rate higher than COVID. Hmm. I wonder. And then, of course, we have the largest NATO exercise ever gearing up. And it just so happens that it's going to coincide with the Russian elections in March. Hmm. Must be a coincidence. And what a lot of military analysts believe is going to be the Russian offensive. The kind of, you know, should we say take the last kick in the head at what is left of the Ukrainian army. And of course, you know about the heat up and all sorts of nastiness over there in Lebanon on Israel's northern front, on the West Bank on its western front, and we can go on down the list. And by the way, as an aside, did you know that in 2021, the Houthis, who are launching missiles hither, hither, and yon, hitting U.S., Israel, I mean, they really don't care. They're just out to create havoc. Did you know that Joe Biden, I mean, Obama's third term, took the Houthis off the terror list in 2021? One of the first things he did when he, quote-unquote, took office, when the cadaver-occupied, shall we say, the empty shell of the White House. So against this backdrop, we have some concerns, don't we? Concerns about where things are going to go, what the price of oil is going to be, which obviously plays a key role in your pocketbook, and in the inflation, really, of all things, and how money is going to be used, printed, or needed by a government which is, you know, in dire financial straits to begin with, all of which affects you. It all, I hate to use the term, trickles down to your pocket, folks. So when you're thinking about these, all these international events, we're going to go over some here in the rat-a-tat-tat, think not just about the event, not just about the geographic region. Give some thought to how that event affects the planet, affects economies around the world, affects the supply of raw materials, particularly oil, which is basic ingredient to everything. All these things will affect your personal finances and your security and that of your family. Think big picture, folks. Step outside the box. And now, I'll tell you what, let's do some rat-a-tat-tat, and i got so much rat-a-tat-tat to cover with you folks after the last three or four weeks. I'm going to try something a little bit different. You folks, let me know how you like. We're going to get a whole bunch in, but I'm only going to hit kind of the headlines, and all the articles will be on the OnTheRightSideRadio.com website. They will be under Rat-a-tat-tat, Family Safety, on the COVID page, on the Financial Preparedness page, under Immigration. Whatever the particular content of an article is will be under several sections. So you can read the entire article. I'm just going to hit kind of the the high points and the headlines for you because, man, there is, it's a fire hose, let me tell you. It's unbelievable. Okay, we'll start off with the disgusting mess that is purposely and intentionally immigration. We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks, why they're doing this. It's not just to get votes. It, there's a lot that goes into it. 
But GOP reps introduced bill to stop blue states from providing taxpayer-funded health care to illegal immigrants. Gee, wow, that seems to be kind of a good idea. I wonder why the blue states didn't think of it. You know, they complain about all the money and blah, 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 and, and the cost, and it's breaking them after declaring themselves sanctuary states or sanctuary cities, and then they give free health care. That's right. And that was introduced by North Carolina Representative Richard Hudson and Kentucky Representative Brett Guthrie. Go boys. So I don't know if you know, next story, but about two months ago, the feds put in a law that affected gig workers. You know, basically people who are freelancers, independent contract workers in varying professions. And the government said, you can't do that. So there is now an injunction being sought against the government's, once again, big surprise, overreach against gig workers. I told you the last few weeks that Biden, one of his first acts, actually not Biden, Obama, third term, one of their first acts when Biden kind of took the cadaver position in the White House was to take the Houthis, you know, those guys are sending rockets all over the Mideast and destroying ships, et cetera, et cetera, take the Houthis off the terror watch list. Well, it seems like a lot of people have been raising the clamor and beating the drums on this because Biden has now, and this will give you an idea of just how underhanded this government is, folks. This is why you can't believe anything they tell you without research and like engaging your brain cells. So they made a big deal over the last few days about how they put the hoodies back on the terror watch list, you know, because of all this nasty stuff they're doing. Oh, well, they've always been doing it, so... Wonderful. But that's great. Guess what? This is a bait and switch, okay? Because he only restored the former status. He did not restore their designation as an FTO, a foreign terror organization, which is when that's when the screws really get turned against you on sanctions and stuff. So he's trying to fool the American public and the rest of the world. I mean, it's total dishonesty. And that is the hallmark of this government, as you'll see in some of the other rat-a-tat-tats I'm bringing you today. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals. I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver. And they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code READ, READ, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Hey listeners, this is Reed Lance Rosenthal, your host of On the Right Side Radio, and I have a message for you. Do you want a business? Sell a product? Provide a service? Have a message you want to get out? Do you believe in freedom, the Constitution, and America? Here's your opportunity to reach 69 million sets of ears in scores of markets around the country. 
including five of the top 10 and 15 of the top 50 markets in the United States of America. Very affordable, very flexible, 30 and 60 second packages available. Give your business a boost and help America get the truth. Call Francis at Media Airtime at 602-300-8250, 602-300-8250, or write Francis at MediaAirtime.com. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-S at MediaAirtime.com. Thank you. And along those lines, you know, most people are now catching on to it. I mean, when you're that bad and you overplay your hands that much and you lie incessantly, in fact, 100% of the time, eventually it's going to catch up with you. Only 22% of likely voters are confident that Biden is innocent of the corruption allegations against him. Think about that. 78% think he's guilty of corruption. That doesn't help you win elections, I don't think. And along those lines, you know, the bait-and-switch, the subterfuge, the incredible lack of respect for the American people and the truth that's exhibited by government at every level in every department was manifested again in closed-door grilling of Dr. Fraudulent Tony Fauci. I mean, the guy is such a little elfy creep. And do you know what he admitted in that testimony last week? He admitted that social distancing measures that were forced on Americans were quote, arbitrary and lack scientific basis, unquote. Number two, vaccine mandates and stringent measures ignored individual rights and would have far-reaching consequences. Do you think millions of people adversely impacted or dead now? And that the lab leak hypothesis, quote unquote, which he previously dismissed as a conspiracy theory, you know, there were, there were bats and snakes mating and that's how it came, is now a legitimate possibility. This, folks, after three years of this terror by this little elf munchkin who was getting paid royalties on the ineffective and dangerous experimental drugs he and his outfit was pushing, the NIH and the CDC. If that doesn't make you think, I don't know what, what will. We'll see what happens with this. You know, unfortunately, I'm not sure he's going to be held accountable, but he certainly should be. Oh, and let's, let's stay with this theme, shall we? Let me give you this headline. Pentagon insists Israel conflict has not escalated after Mideast chaos spikes. So, folks, we're bombing the Houthis, whom we pretended to redeclare a terrorist organization. We are supporting Israel on the northern front with Lebanon. All sorts of things are breaking down and boiling around on the West Bank. Gaza is a mess, obviously, and Iran is now lobbing missiles. And just in the last 24 hours, Pakistan and Iran are lobbing missiles at each other. That's a whole nother deal that's going on. But don't worry, folks. It's all fine. There's nothing to see here. Let me read this to you, and then you can read the article for yourself. The Pentagon insisted Wednesday that the conflict between Israel and Hamas has not expanded throughout the region as violence associated following U.S led strikes on Houthi positions in Yemen and retaliatory attacks on U.S. flagged merchant ships continues. It goes downhill from there, folks. Oh, and you'll love this one. Okay, never mind the illegal aliens getting the health care and all the nonsense I just brought you about how they're trying to blow smoke up our butts about all sorts of things. Jamal Bowman, you know, she's one of the squad members. I mean, like these people, I don't know, whatever. It's scarier that they got elected than that they exist, I guess. 
but she feels there's, quote, creative ways that the government can meet its moral obligation of paying, hold on to your bippy, $14 trillion in reparations for slavery. I mean, folks, just read the article. It's uh, enough to make you gag. But it goes back to personal financial preparedness, and it better make you think. Get those brain cells working, guys. They're not kidding about this stuff. There's a really interesting set of news coming out of, like, the CIA in China and how the CIA director is trying to, or the CIA itself, you know, those organizations are trying to rebuild their human spy network in China. What's really interesting is that there's now some concerns that Burns, who's the top cheese at the CIA, there seems to have been, like, $2 million in donations from a Chinese businessman who was a member of the organizations that Burns was closely associated with, by the way, prior to him being nominated by, oh, cadaver and Obama third term for the CIA chief position. Wow. I mean, the Chinese really do have their corruptive fingers in every American pie, don't they? And then, of course, we have the fear factor, folks. You know, governments like to make you scared. You're going to incinerate in six years, and, you know, you won't be able to breathe, and uh, nuclear war, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, you'll love this latest line of articles coming out. All kind of generated, by the uh, by the way, around the WEF, the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos that's going on right now. You know, the elite planning our future for us. So it looks like Chinese scientists have experimented with a mutant COVID-19 strain that is, hold on to your bippy, 100%, that's 100%, deadly to humanized mice. Huh. All the mice died within eight days of being subjected to this new, new Fauci strain, we'll call it. How's that? You should read about it. And along with those suspicious how they're all coming up kind of together, is a sudden announcement by the WHO, Dr. Tedros, you know, the, the head WHO cheese, at the WEF, I was just telling you about it, who is heading up the exercise that they're doing, which is, quote, preparing for disease X, unquote. And he said just yesterday, or the day before yesterday, that, quote, it is not a matter of if, it is when there will be a new, deadly, unknown disease to emerge. Hmm. And the World Economic Forum deal, the event that he's kind of running, attending, etc., is called, quote, preparing for disease X. Terrific. Terrific. And then, of course, you have the wool they're pulling over your eyes, or trying to, with all the economic non-chatter, shall we say. Let's take New York, just the state of New York. So um, it seems that New York's plunge in general business conditions, gee, are you hearing about this? Hey, Kathy Hoshold, governor up there, how you doing on your stuff? This is unbelievable. From January 3rd to January 10th, the Empire State Manufacturing Survey showed a 29, that's 29, point drop, which is a huge contraction in general business conditions. And that's the lowest level since the beginnings, you know, the lockdowns of the 2020 COVID pandemic. You know, you would think these people start associating their bad policies with bad results. But on the other hand, maybe they're looking for the bad results, right? And in good news on the election front, a Maine judge has now issued a stay in the attempt by the Maine Secretary of State. I mean, last time I checked, the Constitution says 
only the state legislatures can do this, but the main Secretary of State just bounced Trump off the ballot in Maine, you know, the usual nonsense, and she has now been stayed in her attempt to, shall we say, interfere with our elections, you know, election fraud. That doesn't exist, folks. It absolutely doesn't exist. Don't you worry your sweet little heads about it. And I don't know, you know, this is more subterfuge. So I don't know if you heard, but, you know, Lloyd Austin, the secretary of Dents, he's unbelievable. How he ever got that position is beyond me. He kind of disappeared off the radar about a week ago. And it come to find out he had a problem. I would imagine he had gotten the jabs at some point. I don't know. Maybe there's a connection. But he had to suddenly go to the hospital, and he's kind of disappeared. No problem, you know, because there's nothing going on around the world, folks. I mean, what do you need your Secretary of Defense for when everything's so peaceful and calm? But the biggest thing is the Pentagon tried to hide it. And when the press finally uncovered it, the Pentagon is still hiding why he went, how long he's been there, what his condition is, what caused it, the whole nine yards. You know, I'll let you read the article and decide for yourself. There is really bad things happening in the commercial real estate market. I mean, number one, retail is not doing great. That's affecting shopping centers. And as you probably know, many companies are laying off people or projecting layoffs into the future. So shopping centers and commercial properties of that type, retail-oriented, are not doing well. The office buildings, as you well know, have not done well at all since the COVID stuff. And lots of people are now working from home at least full or part-time. That's a big problem in the finance industry because that's several trillion dollars in mortgages, which are, shall we say, not in robust health. How's that? You might want to read that because that that runs right to the dollar. It runs right to the economy and it runs right, therefore, to your personal financial preparedness. And in election news, our buddy George Soros, make sure you listen to my show I did on him on the rightsideradio.com. He is pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into local Democratic parties in Texas to try and help the Democrats turn the state blue. He's working with this outfit called Texas Majority PAC, and he's donated six-figure sums to Hidalgo County, Cameron County, Dallas counties. And by the way, it just so happens that those three counties are predominantly Hispanic and that the Democrats kind of lost their hold on those counties in the last election. Anyway, the little evil hands of George Soros continue to play and manipulate and pull on the puppet strings of politics. And in Ohio, oh, this is great. So transgender candidates in Ohio are all up in arms because election laws require that they use their real name, not their new transgender name. And they are now suing over the fact that election laws discriminate against them, make them feel badly, you know, and makes them use, I'm not kidding you folks, their quote, dead name, unquote. Okay, you bet. So we have James O'Keefe doing a little more undercover video, which he's so good at. Basically, he is now exposed, this, this stuff will all be up on the website for you, a secret elitist facility at West Drexel in Tucson, as long as, and some other facilities. And it seems like the deep state and the banks are actually offering facilities, including bank facilities, 
to migrants who come into the country illegally and then are spirited away by our illustrious government at our cost to places hither, yither, and yon across the country. Speaking of uh, the elitists, in this case the global elitists, who of course know way better than us, us commoners, you know, us hayseeds, a European Commission official asserted that government disinformation censorship is essential, folks, to ensure individuals receive factual information. I want you to think about this. you got to really think about this statement here. And, of course, she delivered this incredibly hypocritical oxymoron sentence at the World Economic Forum's Davos Conference on Thursday. That was like, you know, yesterday. And uh, this gal happens to be the EC Vice President for Values and Transparency. Oh, well, wow. Let's get some more feel-good, safe-room agencies in the EU, shall we? It's no wonder Europe is done. Toast. Over. Anyway, you need to read this article because it will just, your eyes will glaze over. No, no kidding. All right, and then we have one more immigration-related rat-a-tat-tat to make your blood kind of boil and your hair curl. So there's a notice from the Transportation Security Administration that appeared at airports to show that migrants, now listen to this, they don't have to worry about supplying a photo ID to get through airport security. I want you to think about that just for a moment. And that notice, by the way, was in Miami International Airport, but it's at other airports too. And there's actually, you'll see it on the website, you can actually see the notice that had been posted in these airports. I mean, that should make you feel really safe, guys, flying. You know, it might be a good idea to maybe not fly, teach these airports and these airlines a lesson. But, you know, whatever. But that's it for Rat-a-tat-tat today, folks. It's a whole bunch. Make sure you, f- you read the articles and go to the videos that are on the website on all these things we have just kind of hammered at over the last 10 or 15 minutes. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Remember, look in the mirror, repeat after me, and repeat it with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. Oh, yes, we will. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, go to ontherightsideradio.com. Click on Show Archives, and you'll find all of Reed's shows and a terrific array of informative articles, videos, and reference pages. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of On the Right Side Radio with Reed Lance Rosenthal.